You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Anyway, so come with me in your Bibles. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. I ran out of time at uh, East Campus, and I know that I'm already behind the eight ball here. So come with me in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. A lot of people say God's not into Numbers. Then why does he have a book called Numbers? Bad joke, very bad. Numbers 16, verse 41. 1641. The title of my message is Proxy. And I'm preaching this message because beautiful pastor, Victoria Lynn Heinrichs, said to me uh, after staff meeting, you need to preach this message. The problem, the problem is that uh, if I was to kind of say, you know, what kind of a preacher was, I would say I'm a lightning preacher. And what you're saying, Phew, like, like a thunderbolt from heaven. No, lightning never strikes the same place twice. It doesn't matter. I can have exactly the same notes and it always comes out different. So <laughs> lightning preacher. All right. I hope he's like lightning and really fast. All right, here we go. It says this. It says, on the next day, on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. Now, let me just stop there. So what had happened? What had happened? In, in the book of Numbers, the people kept complaining. Now, you need to understand that, that you can get beat up in church and religious churches of, you know, like they can harp on you if you're, you know, you're smoking. But if God's got a choice between you smoking and complaining, he's like, just light up. complaining like the Bible says and the people complained so the Lord sent plagues the people complained now that's not someone's like I got I got my word I got my I got it that wasn't permission all right I'm just saying if you had the choice all right so so they complained so the Lord sent fiery serpents among them and the people complained so what had happened was there was a, a guy called Korah and he decides he's piping off against Moses. He's piping off against Moses. Moses is the leader and he's trying to lead them through a wilderness. And he's trying to lead them through a very dark and difficult time. And Korah rises up with a whole bunch of people and says, you know what, we ain't following this leader because, you know, these calls that he's making are difficult. Just before a baby is born, it, it has to go through the most narrow the, the birth canal. I remember when my, my beautiful Geordie was born. Well, as he was being born, 20-something hours into the labor, I'm like, I'm not sure if God thought this through. <laughs> How on earth is that? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure if you really thought, you can tell God's a boy. Because you really didn't think it through, did you? Anyway, and, and obviously God did, obviously God did. But what, watch this. Before, before, before you come into life expansive, you go through narrow restrictive. This is because Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For broad and easy is the way that leads to destruction. But those who go through, it's a narrow gate. He didn't say, you know, go through a narrow gate into a narrow tightrope 
life where if you fall, I will smite you. That's, you go through a narrow gate into life eternal. You go through a narrow gate into life everlasting. You go through the narrow gate into joy, fulfillment, satisfaction. You go through the narrow gate into heaven, into paradise. Broad is the way that takes you off a cliff into destruction. And so Moses is trying to lead, but, but Aaron, uh, sorry, Korah decides to have a rebellion saying, hey, don't follow Moses. He's not the only one that God can speak to, follow us. And the problem is there was a dissension. There was a rebellion now because when you're a leader, you've got to make tough calls. And the problem with our human nature is, is we, we move away from difficult we move away from pain and we move towards easy and we move towards pleasure. They, 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 say, they say taking the path of least resistance is what makes both rivers and men crooked. Taking the path of least resistance. So leaders lead and they have to make tough calls. Well, Korah is saying you don't have to do the tough. You don't have to go the easy way. Just let the government take care, care of you. You don't need to... And so there's a rebellion. So Moses, God says, bring everybody to the tabernacle. Let's sort this out once and for all. So Moses comes in and he says, what's your plan, God? And he says, well, you're my leader. These guys are in rebellion. And the people are like, oh, we want to go the easy way. We want to go the easy way. So Moses says, all right, all right. Um, guys, just so you know, God is going to make it obvious. And he's trying to think, what? how can it be? He said, all right, if I'm not the leader and these guys are, then let what I'm about to say be completely false. All right, what's something? He goes, all right, if, if they're in rebellion, then let the ground beneath them open up and let them be swallowed whole and go straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 on their way. And the Bible says that the ground opened up and they all went down. So now it says, the people gathered and they said, you've killed the people of the... Now, Moses was good. He just wasn't that good that he could open the ground and shut it again. It was God that did that. But they're ticked with Moses saying, can't you just live with compromise? Can't you just live with... But it's like the assignment that I have requires me to lead you where you may not want to go, to get you walking where you don't want to walk. It's strong leadership. So it happened when the children of Israel, when the congregation gathered against Moses and Aaron, that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud, the cloud covered it. When Moses saw the cloud, because the Lord dwelt in the cloud during the day and he was a pillar of fire by night, when he saw the cloud come over the temple, Moses goes, oh, shoot. And then the Bible says, him and Aaron fell on their faces. And then Moses, as they're standing on their faces, God speaks to him. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Watch what Moses does on his face, lying next to Aaron with the glory of God. And he's about to do some more smiting. Watch what Moses does. He said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in 
put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. He stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stopped. The plague was stopped. The title of this message is called Proxy. Proxy. Proxy means to have the authority to stand on behalf of. Someone who stands in proxy stands in behalf of, in place of. The, the Christmas message is, is the message of proxy. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little... And so we're, we're singing about a little baby in a manger. And it's like, oh, you religious people. Wow. Weird. Really weird. But mind you, mind you, if I was... I've got to be honest. Like, I think the... Uh, I think they've got something right. I, I do find nativity scenes incredibly offensive. You know, you've got like a barn and shepherds, and a few sheep and a mum and dad and a little baby in a manger. I mean, ban it. It's offensive. I'm being facetious. But anyway, and so... The, the reason we sing and rejoice over a little baby born in a manger yeah. is because we know the baby is born to be proxy. Yes. The baby was born to make atonement. The ba that baby, Jesus Christ, was born in a manger because the blood of bulls and goats could not quench the judgment of God. It was able to parlay it. It was able to, once a year on Yom Kippur, it was able to make atonement. But the Bible says that weekly they had to bring lambs, weekly they had to bring oxen because we sin daily. So every week the priest was always trying to snuff, or he was always trying to make atonement. And so God says, I'm going to put an end to all the sacrifice. I'm going to put an end to all of that because I'm going to come down as a baby. I'm going to come down as a human. I'm going to come down as the last Adam. He was first called the second Adam, but we don't need a third. So he, he became known as the last Adam. What the first Adam lost in a garden, the second Adam recovers in a garden. And so the second Adam, Jesus Christ, is going to grow and he's going to fulfill the entire law. He is going to be spotless. He's going to be blameless. Three times he was examined. Caiaphas, the high priest, Pontius Pilate, and then Herod. And three times the assessment was the same. I find no fault in this man. I find no, because the lamb had to be examined three times before it was allowed to qualify to be that which would bring atonement for the, for the people. It had to be without blemish, without spot. Jesus was without blemish, without spot. But he came to be proxy. And he came and he hung on a cross and he took your sin and he took my sin and he died on the cross so that you and I could have everlasting life. Can somebody say amen? <clears throat> so Jesus came, Jesus came to be proxy. The reason we wouldn't shut our doors, the reason we, we reopen on August 23rd is because I realized that our church is called to be proxy in our city. The church is called to be proxy in the city. Aaron takes a censer. He takes a sensor. A sensor is a dedicated vessel. I love the, um, I love the internship video. And Pastor John, you, you couldn't have a, a more brilliant leader, shepherd, boss than Pastor John and Becky. Years ago when John took over the intern internship program, he interpreted 
you know, the heart and the vision of God for raising up and developing powerhouse men, powerhouse women, because we know that the only way that we're going to reach and build the future is we've got to be raising warrior leaders today. And so John's interpreted that. So I love, I love that, we're, that we have an internship program where, where we're raising warriors, where we're raising leaders, because we're, we're called to stand in proxy for our city. And, and what, 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 a, what a leader is, what a, is, is a dedicated vessel. So Moses says to Aaron, the plague has begun. There's death happening. There's plague, there's hopelessness, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's COVID, there's division, there's chaos, there's Antifa, there's Black Lives Matter, there's cities, uh, buildings being destroyed, businesses being looted. There's, there's chaos everywhere. There's death everywhere. He goes, what I need is a sensor. I need you to get a sensor. I need you to get a dedicated vessel, a dedicated vessel, a sensor. One of the first things that you'll find that when you come in through church, that your sense comes alive. There, there are five senses, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, five senses. But the truth is you will become aware that there is a sixth sense, a sixth sense. And that's the Holy Ghost where, where, where you'll hear something on the radio, you'll hear something on the news, you'll see something in the papers, and you're just like, ah, it ain't right. I just feel like they're not telling me the truth. I just feel like I'm being lied to. Or, or flip it, you'll hear something, you go, ah, that's, I know that's true. Your sensor. You, you were created, you were created to be the temple of God. You were created to be filled with His presence, filled with His Spirit, to walk in, not just walk with God, but walk in connection, in conjunction with God, a congruency. A lot of people, their sensor is dull. Their sensor is dead. Jesus, if you read the Gospels, continually says, beware that you are not deceived. Be careful that you're not deceived. Beware of false prophets, beware of false teachers, for many false Christs will even arise and deceive many, but be careful that you are not deceived. And then he gave teaching. In other words, Jesus saying, hey, 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 don't just operate in your five, lean into your sixth. The spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. And you'll always find that if it's congruent with this, if it's congruent with the Word of God, if there's an amen between your gut and this, you're in good space because the world around about you is going to try and deceive you. It's going to try and pull the wool over your eyes. It's going to try and bombard you. It's going to censor YouTube videos. Google will, will intentionally omit things from their search engines because the whole goal is to deceive you, but you will not be deceived if you go to a house where we awaken the censor and the sensor awakens when you become a dedicated vessel. We're not here just to get you saved. We're here to disciple you into becoming a dedicated vessel. You were created to sense stuff. You, someone, I sense a presence I haven't felt since. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. When I left you, I was the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, Darth. If you'll strike me down, I'll show you. Anyway, and so you know the story. So, so even, even, in, even in Star Wars, 
even in Star Wars, he, he, he felt a disturbance in the force. He could sense you, were, you should right now, you, you should right now, if you're alive, if you're born again, you should right now feel a disturbance in the force. You should right now, your sensor, if you're a dedicated vessel, you'll be something. They ain't telling us everything that's going on. There's something, somebody needs to pull back the veil. Somebody needs to strip back the curtains. Something is going, I can feel. I know there's a rise of evil, but I will not be afraid. I will not be alarmed. Now watch this. I'm already out of time and I haven't even got to my points, but... Uh, in the manger is a baby. If you were sending an, a rescue mission, I mean, if any of our generals, you know, would have gone to God, you know, the general over the Air Force, the general over our Army, the general over our, our Navy SEALs, the general over our Marine Corps, you know, and they would have, cons- you know, they would have got together with God in committee and, and they said, what's your plan to save the world? Well, hear me out. I'm going to put a little baby in a virgin's womb called Mary. And she's going to give birth to him in a barn. Not a hospital. Do you know how unsanitary? The God that you and I serve is such a risk-taking God. I'm not sure if you... No, but if you read the Bible, which I encourage. When Jesus was born, Herod immediately slaughtered every male child under the age of three. When he found out that there was a, God, uh, there was a, a, a king who was born that has his own star and he would be king of the Jews, rather, rather than, oh my gosh, well, I was just temporary till he's got a star? No, to Herod, that was a threat. Jesus was a threat. There are men, wicked men in this world. Jesus is a threat to their agenda because they love to rule. They love to lord. They love to take your wealth from you, make you a subject to them. And it's, but Jesus, God is so a little, so it can look like it is toast. They are slaughtering babies under the age of three. Jesus has to flee. But God, can I just tell you, everything that is going on does not phase God. He hasn't broken a sweat. He, he's not walking with clammy hands going, Gabriel, I, I wasn't expecting God. God is, God is on the throne. I mean, the angels are freaking. The angels are freaking out and God's just... I mean, I don't know how he laughs, but I'm just, I mean, he's just, he's a risk-taking God. You should, right now, your senses should be awakened. Here's why we, we 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 don't like our sensor being awakened. Because the, your sensor doesn't bring you to answers, it brings you to questions. Your, your, your senses says, I just feel like there's something else going on. I wonder what it is. Your senses says, oh, that just doesn't resonate. Are they lying to me? 
the problem is we, 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 we would prefer to live in ignorance because ignorance is bliss. We prefer to be the ostrich, but it's the question that drives us, Neo. I tell people when you come to church, as you sit in the house of God, your senses should come awake. You should leave with as many questions as you got answers. Because until your question changes, your life doesn't change. When all of society, all of human history has advanced on the question, when the question was, how do we get to water? Humankind, civilization lived a nomadic existence. We, we, we found water that could be drunk and then we would build our cities at water. But when the question changed, when the question became, how can we get the water to us? Now we can build the most amazing casinos in a desert in Nevada with the most amazing fountains and light shows in those fountains because the question changed. It's when the question changes, how do I have more money and yet I've still got $15, I'm earning more and I've only got $15. Maybe it's not about what's in my hand, maybe it's about what, when the question changes. Your sensor, don't be afraid of the sensor. But it's beautiful because he says, <laughs> oh, dear Jesus. Anyway, it says with the sensor, Pastor John, forgive me. Okay. <laughs> he says with the sensor, he says, get some fire, get some coals from the altar. You get your fire at the altar. There are many fires in the world. There are men who burn with the fire of lust and it'll burn down their marriage. It'll burn down their house. It'll burn down your home. There are people who rage with the fire of jealousy, the fire of anger, the fire of vengeance. And it doesn't just burn our businesses. It doesn't just burn our buildings. It destroys, it consumes you. But there is a fire. There is a fire that is found on the altars. When you, John and Becky will tell you this is the honest to God truth. I've probably been on more altar calls than almost anybody else in our church. And for years, Leanne would get upset. She's like, oh no, oh. There's Jürgen, the senior pastor on the altar call. Like people are gonna look and say, the pastor of your church, he don't got it together? And I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I need a savior. It's true. No, no. I need Jesus Christ. So, but here's what I found. Here's what I found. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, right? They, they throw these guys, they, they bind them with ropes. They command the mighty men of the military, the mighty men of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom to take them and throw them into a furnace they've heated seven times hotter. The Bible says because the king's command was so urgent and the flame exceedingly hot, 
the flame of the fire came upon the soldiers who threw them in. They caught on fire and died. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego fell down into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar sat down saying, now example has been made. People will finally bow down and worship the image which I have set up because and the Bible says he rose in haste and said, did we not throw three men into the fire? They're like, true, O King, three. He says, then why do I see four men in the fire and they are loosed and they are walking in the midst of the fire? So he goes, Shadrach, Meshach, come out, come out. If I was them, I would have said, oh, come on in, it's lovely. <laughs> bring, some, bring some chocolate and some marshmallows, we'll make s'mores. I mean, that's what I would say, but they didn't. Probably because they didn't have s'mores back then. But anyway, and so, so the Bible says they came out. They came out of the fire. They came out of a furnace, right? And the Bible says when the people saw them, not a hair of their head was singed. Their clothing did not even smell of smoke. If anything should have been, should have gone up flammable, it should have been the clothing on their bodies, should have been the hair on their heads. But the only difference between when they went in and when they came out was when they went in, they were bound with ropes. When they came out, they were free. The only thing, because God shut down the fire of the furnace, they walked in the fire from the altar. See, what is an altar? An altar is a place of devotion. The altar is a place of consecration. If in church, can I just encourage you? If there's an opportunity to run to the altar, pride will always keep you in your seat. Don't ever let pride rob you because there's a fire that you can't find in the world. Governor Mussolini says strip clubs are open, but the fire you find in a strip club will destroy your house. He says the casinos are open, but that fire will destroy your, the fires of the liquor stores, the fire. But there's a, he, he wants to shut down the altars because he knows the fire here will consume. It won't harm you, but it'll consume that which binds you. It'll consume that which holds you. It'll consume. When I came to the altar, when I came to Christ, a fire came on my life and the bitterness and the anger and the resentment towards my father just went up in smoke. I would even try to be angry. I would even try to hold a grudges, but I just, the fire, the, the lust that tormented me, the fire came. I, I love my beautiful. I love my princess. I, I don't want to be, unf I want to be faithful all the days. And I don't want to just, my battle isn't just to be faithful. My, 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 my the fire that burns on the inside of me wants to, to make her feel like a princess, to make her feel like the most cherished woman on the planet. Because the fire that you get from His altars. No wonder they want to shut the church down. They don't want people to find a fire that sets free, a fire that produces, a fire that burns, a fire that... That fire produces heavenly things. And I'm, I'm, I haven't even got to... Uh, forgive me. But anyway, and then they put... Put incense on it. Incense is worship. Incense is worship put incense on it. All right, I have to finish. So let me, let me tell you. You and I are called as a church to stand in proxy. Aaron 
takes the fire, puts incense on it and he runs. And the plague is just boom, boom, boom. If you can imagine just lines of people, just people literally dying, 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 dying. And Aaron runs. And where the, where, where the row of death is, he comes and he stands with, with, the, with the censer. And, and it's like the judgment of God. And literally Aaron, like you see in Twisted with the angels and the demons, Aaron with the censer puts up a force field because he is the high priest who makes atonement. On Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, Aaron takes that same censer and he goes to the same altar and he puts the same incense and then he goes in behind the veil and he holds that censer and the Bible says, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. It fills that place. What you may not know is every year the Jews on Yom Kippur on the Day of Atonement would take a scarlet cord, take a scarlet string, and they would tie it to the doors of the temple while the high priest went in with the blood of the lamb and went in with the censer. And the people outside would wait. And every year, every year, every single year, the Jews would say, that what would happen is they would know that God had forgiven their sins. Because in Isaiah, it opens up, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as, and the scarlet cord on the temple door would turn white. Would turn white. This happened for thousands of years, but it stopped happening. It stopped happening in Israel 40 years. If you, you study their history, Something happened 40 years before the destruction of the temple. The temple was destroyed AD 70. 40 years before that is AD 30. At AD 30, it stopped happening. What happened in AD 30? Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, died to provide atonement for the people that no longer needed to do that. He is the proxy. He is the proxy. Many years ago, when I was in Bible college, the Holy Ghost, I, we heard someone preach, Colin, about God using them in intercession, God using them to, you know, to pray. And so I'm like, God, that, that sounds exciting. I want to do that. And so true story, the Holy Spirit would come and He would wake me up in the middle of the night and I'd get out of bed and I would pray and it was awesome. The next day I was a little bit tired and brain a little bit foggy. And then the next night He would come again. And I'm like, oh, shoot, okay, of this stuff and uh, so I got up again but a little bit more sluggish the next night we, you know we were hanging out with a whole bunch of college students we didn't get to bed till like one and then at, at like three the Holy Ghost comes and says oh get up I'm like oh, I've hardly slept <laughs> you know what come back tomorrow tomorrow you know and so he did he came back the next day but the next day I'd squandered my time again and I was tired and I'm like oh what about tomorrow? You know, you come tomorrow, I promise you tomorrow, get up. I'm just tired. You know, I've got to get up. We've got a 6 a.m. prayer meeting. So he came the next day to wake me up and I gave him some other lame excuse. And then the next night, he never came. After that, he never came. He was looking for an intercessor. And I was kind of semi-motivated, but as soon as it started to cost me something, Fast forward, I finished Bible college. They sent me to New Zealand. Geordie's just a 
a, a little toddler. He's got a best friend called Cody. Cody's dad, Peter, and his mum, Rebecca, they're expecting baby number two. They're pregnant with baby number two. They come out on the altar call and they just said, um, you know, she's nine months pregnant. Could you pray that the baby turns? Because right now the baby, the head's not engaged. The baby's in a breech position, which means the feet are where the head's meant to be. So we, you know, we pray on the altar call, the ministry team and everything. A couple of days later, we're in the office and all the pastors are out on, on visitation and I'm left in the office. And Rosemary, our, our secretary, takes a phone call, comes running. She goes, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Peter just called, he's an electrician. He's out on site. He's 10 minutes away from home. Rebecca, who water's burst, she's gone into labor, but the baby still hasn't turned. And if, if, if the, I mean, anything can happen, the baby could die, especially if the waters, waters are broken and the, the feet are where the head's meant to be. And then she says, and they called the hospital and because there was an emergency, the ambulance won't be able to get there for 30 or 40 minutes. And they're begging, can we pray? And I'm looking around, there's no one else in, in the office. So I just went into, into my office and I shut the door and I started to, I didn't know what else to do. So I just started, just started praying in tongues. I thought, oh man, I gotta, I just gotta get into the spirit. As I'm praying in the spirit, you know, trying to do the right thing, Kenny, like I'm praying in the spirit. So I can hear from God, get a strategy and then deploy it. It was like somebody was in the room with a sharp knife and just went, boom, like, like right into it. And I went, ah! And now I'm like doubled over in pain. And in my head, I'm thinking, come on, God! Flip! It's not like there are other people praying. I'm it! Why are you letting the devil stab me right in the abdomen? And, and like for 40 seconds, it was like intense. And then, it's, then it went away. I'm like, good on you, God. Sorry about getting angry. And, uh, and so I still don't know what to pray. So I'm shabbat and then And then it come again. Like just about two minutes later, like stabbed in pain for about, you know, 30, 40 seconds. And then it went away. And this kind of held up for two minutes. And then it went to one minute. And then I went to 30 seconds, stabbing pain, and then stabbing pain, and I'm shoving it out of it, just praying in tongues. And then after 14 minutes, it just, there was just a wash. And I'm like, no, impossible. I wasn't just in proxy, I wasn't just having labor pains for, no, no, this, no, impossible, impossible that a baby in a breech position with no medical help, no doctors or nurses. She's by herself. She was in the shower, the waters broke. The phone rings. Rosemary comes running in. Oh my God, oh my God, it's Peter, it's Peter. And all you can hear in the background is holding his little daughter, saying it was a miracle. She came out feet first. He said, but it was, it was supernatural. He said it was like angels were present and she just came right out. Supernatural. It was. There's been many, many times that I've stood in proxy. When I, I'm really naughty, Pastor John. You know, you guys are not going to invite me back. Can I tell you one more naughty story? All right, all right. Second of January, 1989, I get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Start speaking in languages I've never learned. Shabbat, that's I mean, in tongues. Second of January, 1989. 
Uh, study your history, 1989, right? So a few weeks later, a few weeks later, every time I would pray in the Holy Spirit, every time I would pray in tongues, I'd just be filled with joy. It was just amazing. I'd just be filled with joy. I'd feel strength. I'd feel close to God. So I would go into my bedroom and I would pray in tongues. And I'd kind of do it because my dad wasn't saved. My mother wasn't saved yet. My brother wasn't saved yet. So I'd kind of turn the music up. Well, this time I'm in my bedroom and I'm praying. That's my normal prayer language. And all of a sudden it changes, it just flips. I'm like, Oh, that is weird. So I try to go back to And I'm like, dear God. And I promise I had this knot in my stomach and I, and I couldn't stop. Like, I mean, I could, but it was like I had this knot and I knew I had to, and, and, and I'm like, oh my God. And it was loud and it was strong. It was like a surge going through me. I'm thinking my dad's going to come in. He's going to come in. They're going to fit me with one of those white jackets that do up at the back. Put me into those wonderful rooms with padded walls. With the little people in lab coats that give you your medication three times. That's what I'm thinking. And so for 45 freaking minutes, I'm crying. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, my head is going, you've lost your ish. You have, you are. And I'm thinking, but I couldn't stop. Anyway, after 45 minutes, all of a sudden, I felt the burden left and I just thought, oh, I gotta get away from God. I gotta get away from God! You're wearing me out! Something, where do you run to, to go? My dad's an atheist. I run to my dad and I run and he's in the living room watching TV. And if you've ever been to a holiness church, the television's from the devil. We call it Hellavision. And, uh, and I'm like, so I run and my dad's on the couch watching the television. And I'm like, yes. So I jump on the couch next to him thinking, yes, got away from God. Just then, true story, right in front of me on the TV screen, it flips and it says breaking news report out of Tiananmen Square. If you do a Google search, the Tiananmen Square massacre, there was an uprising, there was a revolt against a dictator leader. The dictator deployed the army to take out the will of the people and had tanks running over the protesters. The tanks were commanded to run over the protesters, but now I'm watching on TV and all the tanks are in a line, but they've all stopped. And there's a group of people holding hands and singing. They were Christians who were holding hands and singing. And the Holy Ghost said, you just prayed for that. You just prayed for that. Now fast forward. About six or seven months later, we have a missionary, a missionary come to our church, Wollongong Church of Christ, where I met my Liani. And the missionary told us the, the back end of the story. He said, in Tiananmen Square, what had happened was the tanks were running over the people. It was like carnage everywhere. And Christians got together and they stood in front of the tanks, willing to give their lives and just began to worship. And the commander got a, a word from the dictator, run them over. And he says, but as they went to run them over, he said, an electrical surge hit and shorted out the engines of every single tank. 
so that none of the tanks could move forward. I'm sitting in church and I got goosebumps and the Holy Spirit said, when you pray, you need to understand. When you pray, you pray to the most. He says, my power, my power is greater than the technological engineering of war machinery of men. When you pray, listen, I'm not sure if you realize this, but the devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays. The devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays because it's not the Christian that's praying that frightens him, but it's the God to whom that Christian prays that terrifies the devil. You and I are called to stand in proxy for our marriage, stand in proxy for our family, stand in proxy for our community, stand in proxy. Come on, let's stand in proxy for our businesses and stand in proxy for those who are struggling with addiction, with depression, with hopelessness. The church is God's proxy in San Diego. The church is God's proxy in America. The devil wants to shut down the church. I am telling you, you can't shut down the weaponry of heaven. You can't shut down the power of God. You can't shut down the proxy of God. Come on, give God a praise. Give Him a praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. I'm way over time and I need to pray. Two things, two things. Number one, if your life is not right with God, if you're away from God, slipped away from God, Maybe the devil sold you a bill of goods. He said, hey, hey, you don't need God, this sin. I've got to be honest with you. I have tried a whole bunch of them, yet to find one that's worth substituting God for. The wages of sin is death, does never produces life. The pleasure of sin lasts but a moment. It's fleeting. That's why you always want more. Because it never satisfies. That's you. We've got a response lounge and we've got somebody down here. We'd love to give you a Bible and a following Jesus book and take a moment to pray with you. If you came in and you're away from God, come back to God. If you brought someone who's away from God, take them there and give them the Bible. Pray with them. If you need to get your life dedicated, that's where the fire falls, dedicate. The second one that I want to pray for is I want to pray for you because you're already so brave. The city's been smearing lies about COVID breakouts and all kinds of nonsense. Trying to discourage people from coming to church. But you braved all of the negativity. Your sensor was like, ah. But I, I believe that there's a fresh oil, there's a fresh anointing that's going to rest upon you today. And what God is looking for is people who would put their hand up and say, God, I'll go in proxy for, maybe you're a college student, I'll go in proxy for my college class, for my college friends, for my, for my dorm buddies, for my, for my campus. Or maybe it's for your family, maybe it's for your marriage, maybe it's for your children, maybe it's for friends that you know are going through a hard time. But if that's you, would you just raise a hand and say, yeah, I want to stand in proxy. Father, I thank you. You see all these beautiful people whose hands are lifted. I know right now the devil is terrified as these sons and daughters of the Most High God respond to Ezekiel 22.30 that says, So I sought for just a man or woman among them who would build a wall, stand in the gap, cry out to me on behalf of the land that I might not destroy it. 
But in Ezekiel, the Bible says, but I found no one. Father, not on our watch. Not on our watch, Father. We declare right here, right now, in San Diego, you will find men and women who will stand in proxy. We stand in proxy for those who can't stand for themselves. We stand and we speak and cry out to you for those who can't speak and cry out for themselves. Devil, I come against right now those in our city who are contemplating suicide, who feel that all hope is gone, that everything is hopeless. We declare the God of hope breaks through. We bind the spirit of suicide. We bind the spirit of the devil. I break the spirit of heaviness that comes upon their lives. I break the spirit of anxiety. I break the spirit of depression. I break the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that hearts are turning, that in this season what the devil meant for evil, God is going to turn it to, for good. The Bible says that even though we're seeing a rise in evil, the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord lifts up a standard against him. We thank you that we're going to see the standard of God rise in this hour. We're going to see people saved and lives changed and breakthrough and healing flow in this hour. Come on in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, give God a praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.